Oh, isn't it good to have the presence of the Lord here? And that's our desire. You know, we come to church to meet with God. I'm going to invite my friend Kathy Clausen to come up. She's going to share God's word with us today. She's a district representative for Deeper Life amongst our churches, and God has called her and blessed her to this ministry that she has. It's been a a, a desire on her heart for a long time, right? Amen. To see people's lives changed by the power of God. And so, uh, Kathy, God, may God bless you, and may He fill your voice with messages from Him for us this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Good morning. So great to be here with you. I bring greetings from our district superintendent, who is uh, John Healy. Uh, He's finishing actually a 12-year term, and uh, we're having a district conference at the end of this month where we're going to be electing a new district superintendent, and there's two uh, individuals that are running, so we want to ask for your prayers for God's leading. also want to thank you for... uh, Allowing your senior pastor, uh, Reverend Bill Butenworth, to sit on our DEXCOM, which is kind of like the board um, for for the district, and uh, kind of keep us in line. So he's not only keeping you guys in line, he's also been keeping us in line. And so just want to thank you, uh, thank you for that. On April 15th, millions of people around the world gathered to watch as the Notre Dame Cathedral began to burn to the ground. Many of them stood there in awe and silence, terrified because some of the things that they considered precious and some of the things that had been in their possession for centuries were now at risk and might be completely destroyed. And this was happening in the night, and so there was this uncertainty of what was actually going to be left, what was going to remain. And the next morning as the sun began to rise, people gradually crept out to see what was left of Notre Dame. And as they began to see that the two towers were still there and the outer structure was still there, a little glimmer of hope. But then the first reporter that they let in from one of the um, newspapers of Paris, he went in and he took this next picture. And it went right across the globe. And these were his words. He was like, there was almost a kind of salvation when we saw this. There was a little bit of hope. I want to suggest to you that the only reason the cross is a symbol of hope is because of the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The cross in its origin was a symbol of brutality and shame to the highest degree. And it is only because of the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ that we can even look at that cross and have a sense of hope. 2,000 years ago, Other people gathered as another temple was brutally destroyed. Only this temple was the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Disciples watched, crowds watched. As the scriptures tell us, Jesus' body was mutilated beyond recognition. Historians tell us that when they hung people on the cross, they actually hung them there naked. He would have been shamed to 
the nth degree. And the next morning, similar, the women gather and they go to the tomb. But unlike the story of Notre Dame, they are not going to look and see if there's any hope. They watched Jesus die. They watched him get taken down off the cross. They watched Joseph of Arimathea take him and bury him in a tomb. And they secretly went behind to watch because they wanted to know where their Lord was going to be buried. All four Gospels record this event. And while some of the details seem to be a little different, it's exactly like it would happen for any, if you had an accident at the corner over here and there were four witnesses giving their account of what had happened, there might be some details that might seem a little different, but there would be a thread of that story that would be a concrete thread of truth. And we see in scripture, and this morning, I want us to walk through that story again. You might say, I think she's mixed mixed up. This isn't Easter Sunday. For the Christian, every day is Easter Sunday. The mistake that we make as believers is if we start to celebrate Easter the way our culture celebrates Easter, then we are in big trouble. They celebrate it like it's a day and we get a holiday and we get a little bit of extra chocolate and then we move on. I want to suggest to you today that the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ should be our day-to-day process of living and moving forward. And so we see scene one, what happened? Well, the scriptures tell us in the account in Matthew that there was a violent earthquake and these angels came down and they removed the stone and they sat there and the soldiers were so blown away. They just kind of were like, it says they just laid there like dead. And the next scene is we see the women arriving and the women arriving and they're kind of wondering how will the stone get rolled away? But fortunately, when they get there, God's already taken care of that. And they get there and they bring spices. But the reality is, they why were they bringing the spices? Because that was the way that they could honor their Lord. In the Jewish culture and back then, they didn't embalm the body the way we do right now. But they brought all sorts of spices to kind of put on the body and wrap it with. So to keep the odor of decomposition as limited as possible. But even here, John chapter 20 tells us that Joseph of Arimathea had buried the body with 75 pounds of spices. I wondered as I was preparing, when was Jesus' resurrected body, did it have the scent? I don't know. That's a lot of spice. And so the women come and there's two angels. One account says one angel, the other says two angels. And they say, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. But the first thing they say is, I want you to look in the tomb and see. And then I want you to go to your brothers and I want you to tell your brothers that he is not here. He is risen just like he told you. And so the women go, they look in the tomb first and then they go and the scripture says they go with some fear and they go with some joy. And they move forward and amazingly in Matthew it says suddenly Jesus appeared to them. In John it says he appeared to Mary Magdalene first. 
In Matthew, it says he suddenly appeared to these women. I don't know. Sometimes I think maybe Jesus just couldn't wait to see them. I've often thought of what was it like for the disciples to wait for his appearing. But what was it like for Jesus? How eager was he to be reconnected with the people that he loved so dearly? And then they go and they tell the disciples, guys, he's not here, he's risen. And the scripture actually says the guys thought the women were crazy. I'm sure that's not the first time that's happened, where men thought women were crazy. And interestingly enough, of all the disciples, only two of them run to check for themselves. Only two go back to see. But then true to his word, that night, Easter Sunday night, they're gathering behind locked doors. And Jesus all of a sudden appears in their midst. He just appears. The resurrection has been disputed since the day it happened. Historically, people try and rewrite other stories. You know, you might say, well, what really happened? Was he like reincarnated? Was he resuscitated? And the scripture clearly tells us there are some undisputable facts. And the first one is the empty tomb. You know, we don't believe in reincarnation, but there are people that do. And in order for him to have been reincarnated, the body would have still been in the tomb because the body still dies for those that believe in reincarnation. If you're talking to a a Hindu friend or a Buddhist friend, the scripture says the body was not there. Well, was Jesus resurrected like Lazarus was? And we also know no, because Lazarus, the same body that died, is the same body that came out. He didn't have superpowers to go through walls. Jesus had a glorified body. Though his body was marred and disfigured beyond recognition. The scripture says the Spirit of God raised Jesus from the dead and he still has some of the scars. In his new body. 1 Corinthians 15.42 says this. The body that was sown as perishable. Is raised as imperishable. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. You and I. Our bodies have been marred and disfigured. By life and sin and struggle. We talk about the march of life. It's quite possible that there might be some here who maybe there was an attempted abortion on you. Or maybe because of events that happened in your life, you actually had an abortion. And that seems like absolutely an impossible thing to come back from. But the resurrection message to us is that if Jesus can raise the dead and he can raise this brutally disfigured, mutilated body and give it life, then there's nothing you and I have gone through or walked through that the Lord Jesus Christ cannot redeem. And so we celebrate communion. Why do we celebrate communion? Because the Lord does not want us to forget. 
He says, every time you celebrate, I want you to proclaim the Lord's death. I want you to be reminded, not just of the death, but of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that is the source of our hope. Paul says, if we don't believe in the resurrection, then we are most to be pitied. But the mystery is this, Romans 8, 11 says, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That means that all the power of resurrection in the person of the Spirit of God lives in me and lives in you, lives in Eastgate Alliance Church. When people ask me how old I am, I tell them I'm eternal. (laughs) And you can do that too. But you know, for many of us, we're not so worried about our eternal destiny. We got that sorted. We know where we're going. And I want to say to you this morning, if you're here this morning and you don't have absolute certainty that you are going to be with Jesus when you die and the disfigured body that you're in right now is going to be transformed and become like the glorified body of Jesus, then today is your day. I believe for some of you today, the Lord is going to roll the stone away and you are going to see like you've never seen before. Christianity is the only faith where you can know without doubt that you will be in heaven. Scholars say even the prophet Muhammad isn't really sure if he's done enough works to get up to be with Allah. All other faiths were working our way to try and earn enough stripes. But in Christianity, we say, no, it's not by my works. It's by the sacrifice that Christ made on my behalf. And because the resurrection says to us that the sacrifice was sufficient. If the sacrifice had not been enough, Jesus would not have been resurrected. And so we step in to this incredible truth and incredible confidence that the Lord gives us. But the reality is as we move forward as Christians, okay, we got our eternal destiny sorted. It's still quite difficult to live in the here and now. Most of us have got struggles and burdens. Some of us probably didn't even feel like coming here this morning. And so how do we walk in the resurrection power of Jesus right now? And I believe the Apostle Paul gives us some help here. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, he says this, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the Lord. And then the next line says, not that I have attained this already. When Paul is writing this, he has been a believer for 30 years. He's been stoned for the faith. You know, it's a lie if we believe as Christians that we're going to somehow get into this place of bliss where no trouble's going to touch us. Jesus said, he said, don't, that's not true. In this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. 
And so the challenge for us as believers is how do we walk together with this reality of the death that's going on inside of us and the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ that's redeeming us. And in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 14, the scripture says, for by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So right now in the spiritual realm, positionally, you are perfect. Pull that out on your spouse next time you're in a fight. (laughs) And then they'll flip the coin and say, yeah, but look at the other side of the verse. You're still being made holy. You're still in this journey. You know, it's easy for us to look at the disciples and maybe criticize them for their wavering faith. But the reality is we're not that different from them. I mean, what happened to the Peter who whipped his knife out and slashed the the ear off the guard who came to arrest Jesus? Not too much longer, a few hours later, he's denying him. They were full of faith when Jesus was with them and they were seeing miracles. But when all of a sudden things turned upside down in their world, they started to shake. And it's the same for us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. When you got lots of money in the bank and you're healthy and your marriage is working well and you've got a good job, then amen, you can come to church and praise your brains out. But what happens when those things start to twist and turn and things that you think that should never happen to you happen to you? Where is your God then? And the challenge for us in believers is to figure out how to navigate those waters. And that's the message that I believe is in this passage in Luke chapter 24 as we look at the disciples and how they journeyed from unbelief to faith. And I want to close with just drawing your attention to four principles that I see in this passage of how the disciples journeyed. And the first one we see is this. God's words to us are sure no matter what happens. No matter what happens in your life, the word of God stands firm. And God speaks to us through his word. And then he also speaks to us often through prophetic words that align with the scriptures. And he gives us strength and encouragement. You know, three times... Jesus had said to the disciples, I'm going to die and I'm going to rise again. And the scriptures actually say they didn't really understand what he was saying. One of the times they were too afraid to even ask. But then when the angels come and say, remember he told you, it came back to their mind. And I want to say to you right now, whatever battle you're going through, you see, Jesus says, take up your cross and carry me. Take up your cross and follow me. Some of us have a cross of some kind of mental cross. Maybe we're struggling with some kind of, just we're struggling with things in our mind that we can't control. Maybe we've even had a diagnosis of some kind for a mental disorder. Some of us are wrestling with emotional things. We walk with this cross of anxiety or fear or anger that we just don't know what to do with or a depression that won't lift off of us. Others of us have a marriage that we're in and we've done everything we can and we don't know how to fix it. 
And Jesus says, I've already prepared you for this. I've given you words. Dust them off. For some of you, today the application from this message is to go to the Lord and say, God, I need a promise from you. I'm not going to make it through, but I need a promise of the living word to hold on to. For others of you, maybe you need to come to some of the prayer meetings that happen here or come up after the service and there'll be some of us here to pray for you. Maybe there's a word that God wants to give you to give you strength because the reality is that God speaks words to us to prepare us that we can hang on to and they become like the manna that Jesus hung on to when he was in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. And the second message that we see in this story is that Jesus pursues us in our unbelief. While he rebukes the disciples for his unbelief, he never rejects them in it. He sends the disciple, he sends the angels to the tomb to give them a message. I think God is waiting for some of us to stop faking it. God never calls us to blind faith. And one of the realities of living in the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is for you to admit when, you know what, I'm having a lot of trouble right now really believing that God is real or that he loves me or that he's powerful or whatever. You see, as you bring that into the light, then it gives the opportunity for the Lord to come with the truth. Like Mary Magdalene, we often don't recognize Jesus and he's right there in our midst. And maybe the prayer you need to pray today is, Lord, open my eyes in this situation that I might see where you are. And the other thing that this passage shows us and we need to be careful to observe is there's a bit of a spectrum of moving from a journey of unbelief to faith. We're all wired differently. Some of us are like those women and we have a childlike faith. We don't need any evidence. You just tell me if I, if God said it, I believe it. No problem. Others of us are like John. We have to come and run and look. And then we combine the word that we heard with what we saw and we're good. Others of us are like Peter. We're still wondering and we need that extra, extra move of God. And then some of us are like Thomas. We're slow. And the reality is the way that you process the resurrection, whether it's for the first time, salvation, making that decision to believe that Jesus died for your sins, or whether it's to move into the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ and allow the Spirit of God to flow through you in healing and prophetic and whatever, the reality is we're all on this spectrum. And so let's not judge one another. Let's not say, man, you don't have as much faith as I do. What's your problem? Instead, let's pray and encourage one another. Because the reality is every single person in this story lost their faith. You know, I think sometimes we think the women had more faith because they came first. I don't think so. They weren't expecting to see the resurrected Lord. Maybe they were just a little bit more in touch with their emotions and the grief. They couldn't control it. And then the third thing that we see is that we encounter Jesus in the tombs of our life. Do you have some disappointments, some regrets, some grief? It's very interesting to me that 
the first thing the disciples are told, that the women are told, look into the tomb. Many of us, we have a big struggle, something in our life, and we don't know how it's there. We don't know how to process it. And I believe the word that God wants to say to you today is you move in that direction, and I will take care of rolling away the stone. I just need you to move in that direction. And when you get there, you have to look into the tomb to find out the resurrection life and find out that God is risen in that situation in your life. And then lastly, you and I are entrusted with a message that must be delivered. We are God's only plan to get this message of resurrection to the lost world. It's interesting that God entrusted this message to Jewish women who were considered the least credible in that culture. It's interesting to me that God sends an angel to Mary to announce the message of Jesus' birth. And he sends an angel to Mary to announce the message of his resurrection. And you might say, well, I don't know how to do that. I haven't got my Christian life all sorted. You don't have to. You just have to be committed to walking in the reality. I'm going to walk with the reality of the struggles that I have, but I'm also going to choose by God's grace to step in and step towards the struggles, and I am know I'm going to experience the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, we are called to live out this paradox. And the witness that we take to the world is two things. It's our life And it's our message. And our life and our message have to line up. If I'm struggling and whatever, then God, I'm not supposed to fake it. The lost world sees that, and what do they call us? Hypocrites. The thing that is going to bring you more credibility in your workplace with taking the message of the resurrection is when you're struggling and you don't even feel like God is there and you're still going to church. You're still praying. So I want to encourage you this morning as we celebrate communion, as you take that bread, look into the tomb. Look into the tomb. What's the tomb that you're wrestling with? What's the brokenness that you're wrestling with right now? The disappointment. And just say, Jesus, I don't know how to deal with this. Just place it on the altar as you take the bread. And then as you take the cup, just declare, Lord, I believe that your resurrection power has not, it has not lost its power. The blood of Christ has not lost its power. So we say today, like we should say, every day in the faith, Christ is risen He is risen indeed.